at a time when investors are confronted with market volatility and a variety of challenges fueled by the uncertainty of inflation, unsettled geopolitical tensions, and economic pressures, Justin Klein and Steve Peasley stand ready to take your finance and investment questions and share their unbiased answers. This is Invest Talk, independent thinking, shared success. Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, a registered investment advisor firm serving clients throughout the United States. The clarity for your path forward starts now. Here is KPP Financial President, Financial Advisor, Steve Peasley. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Invest Talk. It is Tuesday, February 7, 2023. And of course, now we're in the first trading, uh, first trading month's back, done, and now we're in the second trading month, uh, February. And January is a very good month. Uh, but I think you should not expect that the rest of uh, at least this quarter and probably next quarter. I think by the end of the year, we'll look better. Okay, I really do, but we'll have to wait and see. So we're still in a bear market. We still are. It will end, but it was still in it, um, even though we had like a 10%, 11% increase for January in the, the overall market. Now, of course, the reason you download this podcast and listening to the radio show it's because you want answers, yeah, answers to your financial investment questions so you can achieve a better financial future. And I think that's pretty accurate, right? I mean, it is up to you, but everybody wants information to try to improve their ability to make money in the market. Now, it might be fun to say this market is like any other market, but they don't. They changed last year this time. You know, January was the top, and it fell from almost all of January and February last year. And here it is, January's up. So they constantly change. The overall direction of the market long-term is up. Been for that way for 120, 30 years. You know, up. It's up. But it's never up in a straight line. It just isn't. So you've come to the right place to ask your questions. I'm Steve Peasley, and I'm here today on this radio program and podcast to help you make the most of your portfolio strategy and decisions. Of course, I, I like doing the show. I look forward to doing it. I'm glad you're with me, and I'm looking forward to your calls. So phone number is always open, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It is 888-99-CHART. I've got a lot of material to discuss with you today, and I'm going to go over some of my those material. My focus point is going to be what are recession-resistant stocks and how can you identify them? Recession-resistant stocks are stocks, companies, who products and services consumers will continue to purchase no matter of the economic cycle, the economic climate. doesn't matter. They're still going to use them. Yeah, and you can think about it. What are you still going to use? You're going to use your phone, AT&T, Verizon. Uh, you're still going to have drugs. You're still going to need your drugs. See, you still need food, still need gasoline. I mean, not need as much as you needed before, but these are these are what would be non-cyclical stocks. Okay, you don't need to buy a new car. People can postpone that, so that's very cyclical. That's what we mean by, you know, when we talk about recession recession resistant stocks. Time permitting, I'm also going to dig into why so many jobs. Do not get filled. Why? 
Why is there so many jobs that not that are not getting filled? About what, ten million of them? Why? We're going to talk about that. Uh, national plan for renters' rights. National plan. Federal government is talking about making rules and regulations for renters. I don't want to know how they think they have the, the authority over the states to do that. I mean, that has always been reserved for the states to decide that. But this is interesting. And it needs means you, the landlord, you need to be aware. And last, how is Social Security taxed? How is it taxed? Did you know that 85% of your Social Security can be taxed? 85%. So we're going to talk about those things. What happened in the market today? The Dow, It was up. The Dow was up 266 points, and NASDAQ up 226 points, and the S&P up 53 points. So it was a pretty good day today. So we have a lot of things to cover. We really do. So let's go ahead and get started and take our first voicemail question. Hi, Justin or Steve. I'm calling today about Bungie Limited, ticker symbol BG. I've owned them for almost two years now. I wanted to see if you thought this was worth keeping. I own other agriculture and fertilizer companies like CF, MOS, and Nutrient, and I needed to consolidate to maybe two companies. Let me know your thoughts. Thank you. Okay, let's look at Bungie Limited. Uh, it is a almost a $15 billion company, so it's a big cat company out of St. Louis, Missouri. Processes grains and oil seeds and produces fertilizer, edible oil, and milling products sold worldwide. Big company. They're going to make uh, $13.93 a year this year. It's a $98 stock. So that's what, a 7 PE? Next year, you're going to make $12.19, 12% less. Cash flow is very strong, almost $17 a share. Pay a 2.5% dividend. It's a pretty good value. The sales growth has been in the high teens or low 20s. And the last year, the year before, it was in 30 to 60% growth in sales. I, I think this is a very good value stock. They have some debt. Management owns 2%. Mutual funds own 59%. So that's 61 62% owned by institutions. And the last year, institutions actually have reduced 1,505 institutions in March of last year. December of last year, there was 1,495. Not a big move down, but a move down. Uh, the stock has been going sideways, building a base, I think I would hold on to it. I think it's getting, I mean, we're talking about a 7 PE, uh, and that's very low. Return equity is very high at 29%. So it's a matter of what is it really worth? Well, I think it's worth, you know, a, a 12 to 15 PE. And if that happens, it's, well, it should go much higher, but it's going sideways now. The stock market is constantly changing, as you know, so you must have financial investment questions that you'd like answered. And remember, you, you're, when you call InvestTalk, me or Justin, you get to set the agenda. My phone lines are ready to take your call. InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART. In today's world, a variety of factors are affecting the stock markets. Serious investors know Building a secure financial future requires hard work and determination. That's why now, more than ever, when it comes to the planning, execution, and maintenance of your portfolio, you need InvestTalk. With total downloads nearing 50 million, 
Each Invest Talk podcast should be one of your key financial planning and educational tools. Invest Talk is a free download, and hosts Justin Klein and Steve Peasley stand ready to provide their unbiased guidance and professional analysis developed from real time data research and years of investing experience. 24 7, rain or shine, during smooth sailing or on rough weather days. The Invest Talk listener line is open and waiting for your questions. You set the agenda. Don't forget to call Invest Talk 888-99-CHART. Everybody wants a secure financial future, but getting there takes strategy, discipline, and the right information. That means you'll have finance and investment questions. Steve Peasley is ready to provide his unbiased answers. So don't forget to call InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART. Justin and Steve, Matt in South Florida. Love the show. Wanted to ask a question about current CD rates. Not something that, you know, in the past 10 years we've talked about much, but currently you can get, uh, for example, at Sally May, about a two and a half year, roughly a 27 month CD at 5%. So I guess my question for you guys is, you know, can you make a case at this point for why locking up for the next 27 months at 5% is not a good idea? I know that most experts have told investors to lower expectations for what the market will produce from instead of 8 or 9% to something like 6% for this decade in the 20s. So with that being the case, and with the next year being very uncertain, or maybe two years being very uncertain, is there a case to be made to not put a significant part of uh, investable funds into a 5% 27-month CD. Love to hear your take on it, and I'll listen uh, for your response on the podcast. Thank you. Well, as I think about it, I don't really have a problem with 5% for 22 months or so on a CD. You are going to, you know, inflation is running at 6 so you're going to lose buying power. You're losing 1%. Um, you can buy uh, dividend-paying stocks that pay higher than 5% that are, some of them, pretty conservative. So I do like that. But, you know, a CD is really conservative. and There's no risk to the principal at all. So I don't have a problem with a portion of your portfolio being put into a 5% CD. I, I really don't. If you're conservative and that's what you want, you, the market will probably outperform that in the next 22 months, in my personal opinion, uh, but not the beginning of this year. 2024 looks a lot healthier for the market, in my opinion. So uh, I'm not sure, you know, I would put my money away for that much that long of a time. I think I'd rather put it into into uh, treasuries. Personally speaking, they're much more liquid, and I don't I can sell them if I wanted to. Anyways, but no, I, I don't think it's a bad idea. I don't think it's a bad idea at all. Okay. Uh, my focus point concerns the story behind the question: What are the recession resistant stocks, and how can you identify them? Recession-resistant stocks are stocks of companies whose products and services consumers will continue to purchase no matter the economic climate. So, what are some ideas? Uh, well, I can tell you that the stock market itself is undervalued still. 
even though they had a pretty good run up in January, um, they might be a little bit, uh, they might give some of that back. I don't hesitate to think that, I don't, won't hesitate, I do not hesitate to think that that is possible because the Fed still is raising rates. I don't see them stopping yet, even though they've indicated they've made a, a turn, they, they, they pivoted away from the 0.75% they were raising every time to 0.25%, but they kind of promised more coming, okay? So where should you go? Well, I would say kind of have a barbell type of portfolio of very conservative, big defensive value stocks and then more aggressive cyclical tech kind of stocks. That, those two barbells look the best. The, the, the socks that don't look, the, don't look great to me right now are uh, core kind of stocks. I think they've already given us the returns they're going to give us, large core kind of stocks, even though they've done well. I mean, both, all, all these sectors have done well. I mean, if you look at just large and small Large was up 6% and small were up 10.5% overall from January. You look at value, uh, all of them were up 4.2%, not very much. Small value was up 10, 10.25. Growth, though, was up nice. All of the growth was up 10.93. Uh, uh, large ones were up 10.24 and small were up 10.67. So, Growth really was the winner for January. Growth. So growth was also the worst sectors beaten up last year. Right? They were. So there's how you stand. What are some of the names? What should you buy? Well, that's much more, you know, much more difficult, much more, you know, a lot more analysis needs to be done to come up with names, and I can't recommend them over the air. I can't. I'm not allowed to. So, that's how that looks. Uh, so, uh, when people take time to leave an Investop podcast review on iTunes, we like to thank them for their courtesy by getting to their questions quickly. So, never miss a show. U.S. stocks versus international growth. I would like your opinion on Vanguard's recent 10-year forecast on their view of the growth of U.S. stocks versus international growth. What is your opinion of international growth, especially emerging markets versus U.S. equities? If you're talking about 10 years, I would say emerging markets will outperform U.S. equities. If you're talking about 10 years. Got to give me 10 years, though. Uh, I, I don't think this year. Uh, I, didn't, I know it wasn't last year. I, I really don't think this will be the year for um, international foreign stocks. I still think the best place to be is in the U.S. at this point. But over 10 years, there's a lot more um, potential for growth in emerging markets you know, than here in the United States. Remember, we're a very mature market, right? But we also have one of the most dynamic and active stock markets in the world. We don't have one. We have the most, the one, the most active and dynamic. We're moving to a break. I'm here and ready for your questions right now. So give me a call, 888-99-CHART.
Now, each time I host the Invest Talk podcast, I have the satisfaction of taking caller questions and then breaking down the often complex dynamics involved. If you've never called, don't hold back. You can leave your Invest Talk questions on the 24 7 anytime listener line at 888 99 Chart. 888-992-4278. Let's talk to Mike in Orange County. Hi, Mike. How you doing? Hey, Steve. How you doing? Uh, uh, I have a question about a restaurant stock. Okay. Uh, it is Portillo's, and yes. the symbol is P-T-L-O. Mm-hmm. And in my opinion, they have the best Italian roast beef sandwich in the country. Well, that's great. Where are they? There Are they in Orange County somewhere? Orange uh, County, California, not right? Not on the West Coast. Uh, yeah. They're, they're actually, there's a branch just north of you in Buena Park. Okay. Uh, but most of it is, uh, I think, in the Midwest. But they look like they're in, on a, a mission to expand throughout the country. Yeah, they they have uh, they operate sixty nine restaurants across nine states, and they ship food to all fifty states via their website. Now, um, the problem is, is they're expensive related in relationship to their earnings. For instance, they're going to make they made eight cents last year, two thousand two years ago, two thousand twenty one, eight cents a share. Then two thousand twenty two, they made twenty one cents. Next year, they're going to make $0.27 cents a share, and it's a $23 stock. So that tells you the P.E. is 100. Wow. Now, they are growing 10 to 15% their sales, but that's not a huge growth. And the return on equity is only 4%, and they have lots of debt. So management owns 5% of the company. Mutual funds own 77% of the company. So mutual funds are controlling the price at this point. And it looks like it hit a double bottom about 15, and today's at 23. I wouldn't buy here. I'd wait for another pullback if you're going to buy it. But it's just too expensive for me. I wouldn't buy it at all because it's just too expensive and the growth is not nearly as dynamic as I would like to have on a restaurant stock. Restaurant stocks usually don't get high P.E. ratios. They don't. They don't earn it. But um, that's up to you. It looks like it's doing well. Not, you know, There's nothing wrong with it. But Good luck with it, Mike. I hope it works for you. Thanks for okay. the call. Okay. Um, why... Are there so many jobs that are not being filled? We got 10 million jobs available out there. And did you know that we have 7 million men between the ages of 25 and 54 that are just sitting around and doing nothing, not looking for a job, and don't have a job, and they don't seem to care? And they're also not counted as unemployed, by the way. Did you know that? Because you're only counted unemployed if you're collecting unemployment benefits. You run out of benefits. Are you not collecting unemployment benefits? You're not counted as unemployed. Our system is a little bit flawed there. These guys, probably young adults, 25 to 35, are sitting around at their dad mom's house, mom and dad's house, and doing nothing. And mom and dad is letting them. I have actual family members that do that, by the way. Remember, I have lots of family members. But I have young adults doing nothing, or practically nothing, and some doing nothing. So I I can tell you that this is a problem. Seven million men not doing anything, working age people not applying for jobs, not trying to get a job, don't know what they're doing. They're sitting around. Hmm. Big problem. That's, you know, we still haven't returned to our 
uh, uh, pre-COVID um, workforce participation rate, still like 1% below that. Even though the unemployment rate is 3.4%, which is very low, you still have that many millions of men not working. And it's men, <laughs> not women, men. I'm talking about 7 million men between the ages of 25 and 54. Very interesting dynamic. Something that we haven't seen before. Let's go ahead and grab another caller question. 888-99-CHART. Hi there. This is Gregory Hailing from Ohio here. And uh, I'm an upcoming uh, new watcher to your Invest Talk show that my friend down in Florida had uh, sent me over to get a good read on because I'm still very new to investing. But I had a question about ETFs and the rise of artificial intelligence. I just want to get a quote on what you think is the best idea for AI ETFs or just AI stocks in general. As I was looking into getting into an ETF for either the one called Bots with a Z that has properties such as NVIDIA and Intuitive Surgical, which are more long-term study goals, or should I take something that's more stable, but like short-term goals that are more realistic and more pronounced? Anyway, thank you. Bye. Well, I think AI is a big upcoming next huge difference maker in our economy coming up. I don't think it's here yet, uh, but AI is becoming more and more and more ingrained in our daily lives. Uh, the goal, uh, BOTS, B-O-T-Z, is a global X robot artificial ro- robotic artificial intelligence ETF. Okay, so it tracks the Global Robotics Artificial Intelligence Index, and I think that's a way you pay artificial play the artificial intelligence market because trying to pick the one stock that will work is extremely difficult. So that's I, I have no problem with you having a portion of your portfolio in that. Just remember, you might wait a long time to have a great return on that because AI is still and up and coming it's not all I, I think it is coming but it's not here not here okay text companies have been making headlines for mass layoffs Google Microsoft Amazon all announced they they'd be laying off tens of thousands of people and Twitter and Meta both announced layoffs Dell computer added to that toil toll today yesterday actually so my break my trivia question if if you haven't, if you happen to be laid off, if you're perhaps considering returning to the job market, can you name five or six of the most in-demand tech skills? We'll be back. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It is official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, Whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, 
at these prices. Well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's attack resistance platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com. HackerOne.com. You're building your financial future, but you must have finance and investment questions. Justin Klein and Steve Peasley are ready to provide their unbiased answers. So don't forget to call InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART. Okay, before the break, I gave you a trivia question. If you happen to be laid off or if you are perhaps considering turning to the job hunt since there's seven million men not working, uh, you can... <laughs> You know, uh, uh, return the hunt. You can name five. Can you name five or six of the most in-demand tech skills that typically pay more than one hundred twenty-five dollars an hour? By the way, so here's some of the questions. Here's some of the answers. Here's some. Demand for tech rem skills remains high, but the so-called skills gap is sharp. Not a lot of people fill that gap, and as I said. We've got a huge gap here, lots of jobs. Employers are still struggling to find labor that can fill various tech needs. Now, this is according to a career expert at Monster.com. While employers won't necessarily be looking for full-time hires, some may offer part-time or contract work. If you have tech expertise and are seeking opportunities, here are a couple of the skills that will likely will remain in demand for freelancers and Tech guys, how about becoming uh, getting a job full stack development? I'm earning $135 an hour freelance for this. Full stack development. Full stack developers are trained in building both the front and back end of websites. The front end is what you see, and the back end is what powers the site. How about mobile app development? You earn up to $155 an hour for that, freelance. A mobile app developer is a software engineer who specializes in creating apps for smartphones, tablets, and computers. They know coding languages. 
okay? Fix any bugs that arise in the software and work with graphic designers and data scientists to build their apps. Web design. You can earn up $250 an hour as freelance. Web designers build websites, creating the appropriate functionality and look using program languages like HTML, JavaScript, graphic design software like Adobe, Photoshop, web designers, you know, CMS development. How about CMS development? Content management system. That's what that stands for, CMS. CMS is software that helps its users manage their various content from creating it to publishing in it. Script and automation. You can earn up to $350 an hour doing this freelance. Script and automation. Automation scripts are a list of commands for software that help automate tasks like sending an email to a customer. Specialists write them in coding language such as Python and JavaScript. Manual testing. You can earn up to only $50 an hour one of the lowest paid pace. These professionals test the functionality of software without the help of automated tools. They ensure the software works correctly in various scenarios and note any bugs or issues along the way. Okay, so that gives you some help with plotting a path forward if you have tech skills. And tech skills are going to be in demand for some time. Um, I like, you know, if I was to recommend... Any of young people, I would say, you know, get a tech degree, tech, technology degree, and specialize AI, artificial intelligence, if you can, or some kind of health healthcare, health field uh, degree, nursing, skill, radiology, whatever. I think those jobs are going to remain in high demand for some time. Okay, let's go back to Talk Voice Bank, 888-99-CHART. Hey, Stephen Justin, this is Art from Tucson. Following your themes of small cap, value, and cyclical, came across Ethan Allen Interiors Incorporated, ETD, small cap value. It seems to be doing, in an uptrend right now, actually at a, a 52-week high. I'm wondering why it's doing so well in a down housing market, and perhaps there's a hot remodeling market accompanying the, the down housing market in general. I'd like your thoughts on that. I'd also like your thoughts on the stock and what you think a good entry point would be. Be it time to buy it now and catch some momentum or, or wait for a pullback. I suspect it's a, a little overbought right now. Look forward to uh, what you guys think. Appreciate what you do. And I'll listen on the podcast. I would agree with you. It's a little overbought right now. Uh, this is Ethan Allen Interiors. Operates 141 retail design centers worldwide offering uh, you know, various upholstered products and accessories and that kind of thing. Been around a long time. They've always made money. Uh, they're going to make this year $3.78, about 4% less than last year. Next year, $2.95. It's a $29 stock. So that means it's a 10 PE going forward. And the five-year range is 5 to 30 very good twenty uh, return to equity is 26%. Cash flow is very strong at $4.59. Management owns 11%. Funds own 64%. That's 75% of this stock is already owned. Okay, so there's not a lot of stock in the float. And I don't like the fact that the most recent quarter, the sales fell 2%. Before that, 18% rise, a 29% rise, 12% rise. You know, people that's all rising. Now it's falling. So I'm thinking 
that this is going to have its comeuppance. It's going to fall back down, in my opinion, to the $20 level. And that's where I'd wait for it. I wouldn't be chasing it as a bumps up against his new uh, uh, the 52 week high. I wouldn't I wouldn't follow it up there. Thanks. It's a good company, strong company, uh, under a billion dollars, not that big. Okay, let's make it two in a row from 888.99 chart. Hey, good afternoon. So let's just say that a friend of a friend wants to move to Panama and generate income by actively managing a portfolio consisting mostly of stocks with the goal of withdrawing about $500 per month to augment living expenses. This person is relatively young, high risk tolerance, and at times may not even need to withdraw the money every month. But assuming that $500 per month were the goal, I guess the questions are, how much capital would you have to start with, as well as how would you structure the portfolio in general? And I'm also interested in any other issues that you may know of that I don't about generating income in this way while living abroad. I don't expect the detailed answers to the strange question, but any guidance would be much appreciated. Thanks a lot. Love the show. Bye-bye. You need a portfolio big enough to produce $6,000 a year. That's $500 a month. So what? if you've listened to the show at all, you'll know that I tell people, oh, don't take more than about 4.5% out of your portfolio uh, per year. So a $500,000 portfolio would be, what, 22000 So you can have, you know, a pretty small portfolio to generate $6,000 a year and never run out of money. Maybe $250,000, you know? Uh, so, you know, I, 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 maybe 300000 somewhere in that range. Now, it would have to have a, a mostly pretty conservative stocks paying high dividends and maybe 10 to 15% would be, you know, growth stocks that you're taking more risks with because you're trying to stay up with inflation as well. So that kind of portfolio would probably work okay for that, for a person. Living in Panama is pretty cheap. There's a lot of places in the world, expatriates from the United States go to live and they can live on Social Security alone. It's enough. So, anyway, so there's no denying the new market environment we're in. Time marches on, and, and serious investors. Investors have been around a while. Know they need to adjust their thinking every so often to fit the times. And they also eventually, another type of day is coming, retirement day. Are you prepared for that yet? Now? So, you need to be successful at what you're doing. You need to understand how to produce income, how stock markets work. There's a lot of things to learn. And if you don't want to put all that effort in yourself to learn it, because it takes time and effort, why don't you give us a call, Justin Klein or myself, a call at KPP Financial. We're based in Irvine, California, which is in Orange County in Southern California, between LA and San Diego. And let me remind you, that Invest Talk and at KPP Financial, we operate with a philosophy of independent thinking and shared success. And how, what does that mean? That means we provide unbiased guidance. We practice parallel investing, meaning we buy the same things that we for ourselves, we do our clients. We have various strategies from a very conservative to very aggressive, depending on you, what you need. And we'll be happy to give you a free portfolio review, no cost, no, which is common in our industry. You know, take a look at your portfolio and give you some advice. 
and we can do it through Skype or go to meetings. Send us a message through investtalk.com or, you know, an email or call at KPP Financial in Irvine, California. Be happy to talk to you. I think you, you will understand how we're a little bit different once you talk to us. We want to help you. You got to give us the opportunity to do that, and we will help you. I promise. No pressure. Okay, um, national plans for renters' rights is being discussed. A a, a, uh, a law from the federal government about renters' rights. Now, every state has this already, and the federal government it looks like they're trying to usurp that power to some degree. And I I'm not sure that that's right. But there are 20 million mom-and-pop property owners around the country. And during COVID, remember they had a moratorium? You couldn't kick anybody out because of a job loss, not paying their mortgage? Those mom-and-pop guys, I'm one of those mom, I was, months, years ago, one of those mom-and-pop owners of property that rented it out. And you, you needed the rent to pay the mortgage and the property tax and upkeep. And all of a sudden, that stopped. In COVID, for a lot of people, you think these mom and pop, where are they going to get the money? They don't have the money. They get they pay them the mortgage by the rent income. So I wonder if a national plan is just going to talk about big property owners that own hundreds and hundreds of properties, which there are out there, and how they're going to address the mom and pop who can't survive without their monthly income. What kind of uh, it's kind of nerve wracking for the mom and pop person. And remember, states already have rules for this. And if they talk about rent control, rent control does not work. Okay, you can think it works if you're a renter. It's, oh, good, my rent can't go up. But it doesn't work. It's been tested and tried over and over and over again. Long term, it reduces affordable properties. It causes properties that that are existing to become dilapidated. Because they can't raise the rent to pay for repairs, and they're not going to, or the increase in property tax, and the, the renter you can't increase their rents when there's rent control, or your control is very draconian. So it's actually not good for the mark, the housing market. If you're thinking long term and you want rental rents to stay low, well, if you want rents to stay low, over have, let, the, let the renters alone and let them overbuild, and rents will be low. Right now, there's a shortage. So you know, depends on what you want. You know, I, I just I don't agree with a national plan. I think that's a state's rights thing, and the states are closer to the issue at their particular state than the federal government is. And the federal government always comes out with these plans and they haven't thought that there's always uh, unintended consequences because of their, they just don't pay enough attention to, because every state's different. You can't do the same law in, let's say, Southern California where rents are really high as in Oklahoma. You can't. Same rules don't apply. It's ridiculous to try to apply the same kind of rules. It's, you know, in my opinion, anyway. So, next up, another listener question here on Invest Talk. So, hang on. 
Why do listener questions make Invest Talk better? Which of these would you recommend? Because each caller presents fresh questions in their voice. When do I know the right time to take profits? And listeners instinctively realize that Invest Talk uniquely offers a welcome dose of investing satisfaction. I think you have a terrific show, and I've learned a whole lot. So don't forget to call Invest Talk. 888 99Chart. Hi, it's Mark. I was just checking on Iron Mountain. They have a dividend, and they look like they have quite a bit of upside. I want to know what you thought about Iron Mountain. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Iron Mountain, I think the symbol is I-R-M, yeah. Iron Mountain out of Boston provides records management, data protection, and information distribution services. I like that sector. It's a $16 billion company, so it's a big company. Earnings have been going up consistently, and they're going to go up again next year, 6%. They were up 35% in 2023, and now they're going to be up 6% this year, not next year, 2023, to $4 a share. It's a $54 stock, so it's what, 11.5 PE or so? Uh, based on uh, forward-looking, and their P.E. ranges from 9 to 20 in the last five years. Turnkey is 45%, which is very good. They have a lot of debt. That worries me a little bit. They pay a high dividend of 4.5%. Management owns 2%. Funds own 52% of the company. It's growing its sales 14 15% pretty consistently. So I kind of like it. Now, the problem is, is one, two, three, four tops in the last year or so. So it has a lot of resistance around, uh, what is that? What is that high? Let me see if I can find it real quick. Yes, 5861. Uh, so between 57 and 59, a lot of resistance. And it fell that, uh, what, 50, almost 57 already and down now to 54. So it's failed. That would be the fourth time in the last year or year and a half. So it's a tough, tough call. But while you're waiting for it to break through, it pays 4.5% dividend yield. So I think it's a, you wait for a pullback, you buy it, and just sit. Relax. This is Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peace, and we have one goal here. And that is to help you achieve financial freedom. We've been talking about it for years. And that work will continue if you just hold on after this break. So get your questions in now. 888-99-CHART. Everybody wants a secure financial future, but getting there takes strategy and discipline. Steve Peasley is here and ready to take your calls live. Invest Talk, 888-99-CHART. Hi, my name is Troy. I'm calling from Victoria in Canada. I'm looking at a stock for Roku, R-O-K-U. Uh, I've been looking at them for a while, um, but they were pretty high. They seem to have dropped a lot in the last uh, couple of months. And I'm wondering if this is a good entry point. So, yeah, I'd love to hear what you guys think. That's Roku, R-O-K-U. Thanks. Victoria, Canada is beautiful. It's a nice, a really nice city. Lots right on the right on Victoria Island, which is huge. 
It's like, uh, it's just a really neat place to visit. You can take a ferry from Seattle, about an hour, two-hour ferry ride. So if you haven't been there, go. Okay, Ruko Inc. is out of San Jose. Uh, developed streaming entertainment devices for delivering entertainment to the television. They lose money. They lost. They're going to lose three dollars and sixty-three cents for two thousand twenty-two. Next this year, they're going to lose four dollars and twenty-three cents a year. It's a sixty-two dollar stock. It's an eight billion dollar company, and they do about seven eight hundred million a quarter. But, man, losing $4.23 a share, not my cup of tea. And they lost money 2022, 2023. They made money in 2021. But for four years, five, six years before that, they lost money. I don't like, I don't think they're managed very good. Management owns 1% of the company. Funds own 47. No, I would tell you not to buy this stock. It's just not financially healthy enough. They don't have a lot of debt, but they're not making money, and sales are growing, and they're still not making money. They're losing more money with sales growth. Don't like that at all. I would avoid it. Okay, that's R-O-K-U, Ruko Inc. Okay, so how is Social Security taxed? Well, first of all, it is taxed. Don't think, a lot of people think there's no tax on Social Security benefits when you get that check. No, you got to pay tax. It's income. You have to pay income tax on the money that you gave the government all these years. They, well, they took the money out of your paycheck, and then when they start paying it back to you, you got to pay income tax on it. Isn't that nice of them? And you can pay up to 85%. 85% is taxable of your Social Security benefits. So, not that you have to pay 85%. It depends on how much you make. So, the ta- you know, if you file individually and have income more than $34,000, you're going to be taxed up to 85% of your, your Social Security is taxable. If you file a joint, it's 44000 So, don't think you're going to get Social Security benefits and I'll just get a part-time job or get my pension or whatever and I won't have to pay any income tax. That's wrong. You will most likely have to pay income tax on your Social Security benefits. It's just the way it works. It's not fun. Okay? So, when should you start collecting Social Security benefits? Well, you know, my my stock answer is wait till you're uh, 72 and a half, I think. Is that the law now? Is that they moved it up? I don't remember. Uh, full retirement age, yeah, I think, is 67 for most people right now, 67 years old. But if you wait until you're 70 or 72, I forget what age they change, they might be changing it this year, uh, you'll get more, a lot more, 8% more per year, basically, that you wait. But if you're sickly or have health issues, I would take it earlier. So it's kind of individual, but, you know, depends on what you want to do. But you're still going to be taxed on it. Great. Thank you very much. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278 is our number. It's always the same. We're open. That nine is going to be live 24 hours a day, seven days a week, so you can call at any time. And we'll play your recorded questions at the next day, the day after, at a later time. So please don't hesitate to call and ask your question. We'd rather you call live. We're live 4 to 5 Pacific time, Monday through Friday, 
We'd rather you call live because it's more fun. More fun for me. I'm Steve Pisa, and this completes another Investop program, everybody. Justin Klein and I thank you for listening. And we encourage you to tell your friends and family members about our free podcast downloads. So you can get your downloads anytime at iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. And, of course, we're up to, what, 49.6 million downloads right about now, and that's thanks to you. So thank you. Please be sure to review and rate us if you download through iTunes. Your positive rating raises our profile and helps spread the word. Independent thinking and shared success. This is the best talk, everybody. Have a good night. Invest Talk is a trademark of KPP Financial. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them. Specifically, nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell security. Because such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor firm which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein is chief executive officer of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial. Thank you for listening, and your comments and questions are welcome on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.